All right, here we go. You're listening to the Revenue Real Hotline, one big-ass experiment about all things uncomfortable conversations and sales. There were a few first principles that I halfway remembered while designing this space, but really, anything goes. As your attorney, I'm obligated to remind you that anything does not, in fact, go, nor are you a practicing mental health professional. Probably should mention that. All opinions expressed therein are our own. Anyone following said opinions has questionable judgment at best, and this podcast is in no way intended to treat, cure, or care for any general maladies, global pandemics, pandemoniums, or the like. Before we get started, I'd like to give a big shout-out to our sponsors, without which none of this would be possible. Amy, you're at a nine. I need you at a four and a half. Like, five and a half. Under six. Does nobody ever listen to legal? I don't understand. We're like the one department you should listen to. Disclaimer! God, we're gonna have, we need a disclaimer alarm. Karen! I'm your host, Amy Rahovchek, and welcome to my experience. This is a trigger warning from the legal department. Just reminding you that this shit is pretty heavy. And that's okay. Take a deep breath. Don't forget to hydrate. Wash your fucking hands. Hooah! So it is a beautiful day, a beautiful May day on the Jersey Shore, and what you're about to hear, friends, this was actually the first recording that I did for the show back in January. I've been working with Jared Robin for the better part of seven months as a de facto co-pilot over at Rev Genius, and so what you're about to listen to is a conversation between friends and it's bittersweet because friendships hit rocky periods and sometimes they never recover. However, conversations are how we experience ourselves. But I'm very proud of the work that I did there, that we did there, that is continuing on on there. And on this episode, Jared and I go deep into the uncomfortable conversations that we have with ourselves, should have with ourselves, do not have with ourselves. It's it's far easier to look externally. And, you know, not, not to say blame shift, but we all can do a lot, 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 lot better at applying more critique to our own thought patterns and value judgments that we have and I can think of no better person than Jared Robin to almost kick off this aspect of uncomfortable conversations here at the Revenue Reel Hotline. Final thought, another long episode here today, so we are going to bypass the intro and outro. And without further ado, introducing co-founder of Rev Genius, Jared Robin. Okay, Jared, uh, just to give you some props, I think that you know how I feel about you, but Jared Robin and his co-founder Gillum have done, I think, something incredible last year, and they have created a space and a community for frontline contributors um, starting in June. And I, what's it been, six, seven months now? And in that, in that very, very short time period, 
their member count, talk about growth, is almost at 10,000 members, Jared, is that right? Approaching, yeah. I am delighted that you have agreed to, to join me today and you know be my guinea pig, if you will. And with that, Jared, I'm going to turn it over to you. Where, where would you like us to start? First off, I can't tell you how honored I am to be the first here. Um, let, me, let me speak positively about you, Amy, for a bit. You have are extremely intelligent and have challenged me and us in ways that have helped us grow, helped hold us accountable, and helped make us think. And then having you invite me here, it's kind of like, oh, thank you, like like grateful. So happy to be here um, and, and happy to be here today. You know, blessed, blessed that seven months ago, I was looking for work and I was able to develop my own job. Not many people are able to do that for a variety of reasons. And I know the, the, the uncomfortable conversations, you know, that, that starts with discomfort in yourself, yeah. right? And that same discomfort that comes out in conversations also limits us to starting something ourselves. And um, and I'm taking in this direction. I do, th- and, and I'm wearing um, create the future of sales shirt. Shout out uh, Jake Dunlop. But oh my gosh, Jake Dunlop, just, I'm on one of those shirts. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's. The future of sales, I look at it like the future of working as well. And, 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 and I believe that part of that is we're all going to have more opportunity to create our own jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So to be at the front end of this whole process and, and create something that people resonated with, that resonated with people, um, that I believe, truly believe our growth was because the whole idea empathized with people in a variety of spaces, whether they were without jobs or needing to improve jobs or um, not being accepted into other clubs or, or societies or groups or whatever, like, you know, not, not having enough inclusive spaces outside of the big social networks, <laughs> the LinkedIn's, et cetera. And you could argue that, there's still pockets of exclusivity in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, among certain people, you know, just to be there at the right time, listening and creating the right thing and, and being able to have, being able to pay myself today when when I, I had nobody paying me seven months ago uh, is, yeah, is, is, is far out. And, um, and, and for me, it's more than that, right? Like, it's not just me creating my job, like, oh, this is a great story. For me, this has been a life dream. And, and, and I mean that entrepreneurship that is, I didn't know how it was gonna come out or what it was gonna look like. Um, but when I was 18, I wanted to go to college for it. And uh, I didn't. And, and before that, like it's, it's truly the first thing I wanted to do. And, uh, and I'm able to. So I, I, you said so many things in there, but I wanna go back to specific starting something new or different means confronting discomfort in, inside yourself. And so that's, that's where I'm going with this, but just as a quick caveat, Jared, like you, you've created, in my opinion, one of the first spaces for frontlines contributors for sellers. 
to be able to connect and share best practices. And not only is is it incredible the growth rate over you know such a short period of time, but that that suggests that like really you tapped into like the heart of a need, which a, a lot of founders don't necessarily do. It's like we're we're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole or or whatever. And you're right about the exclusivity. It's part of one of the reasons why I think the filter bubble is so fierce in tech sales. The actual practitioners are excluded from a lot of the, let's call them leadership circles, um, but they're actually out like interacting digitally in spaces where their sellers live. And so the, the actual, you know, experts are again, off selling. So back to what you had said about starting something means confronting discomfort in yourself. When I had yeah. an idea for the podcast, I kind of floated it by a couple people. But when you said to me, when I ran it by you, do you remember what you said? And you could do just- it Or something. Yeah, <laughs> it was something like that. It was so good. And you were like, you actually said to me, you're like, wow, that is, I think the best idea for a podcast that I've, I've yet to hear. And Jared, in that moment, like you gave me so much, I don't want to say comfort, but like peace and but also motivation to just do it. And so I, I just want to give that back to you. So thank you for that. You helped me move through the discomfort of starting this. So anyway, so why don't you like kind of break that down for me? What does it mean or look like to confront discomfort in yourself? Okay. So I'm going to give you an anecdote. I'm going to give you my anecdote. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, I love your anecdote. You'll, you know how I feel about you'll, that. You'll get the realness. <laughs> So we all have, whether we realize it or not, emotional limit, emotionally limited, uh, limiting things in us. Okay. And they come out in feelings and they originate in our childhood. We've all been through something yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or things or tra- we've all been through traumas and, and traumas are relative to you at the time. They don't always have to mean somebody close to you passed or, or something crazy abusive happened. Uh, they certainly could. And they, they, that, that is included, uh, but they could be something more simple, like your mom yelling at you every day. Right. right? Throughout my life, there was always in organized schooling and stuff, you could get that A, et cetera, et cetera. But when I was led into the real world and there was no training wheels on, so to speak, um, I didn't know what to do. I figured it out. And and I remember whenever there was systems around me similar to growing up, it was easy to succeed in that. But then as soon as I took that away, example, going from a Fortune 100 company to a seed startup, the systems were away, right? Like that, that, that helped others succeed. Now I had to create them for myself, for the company, or or go along with my sidekick doing that. And 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 it's are not you, right. And are you speaking that? of Rev Genius? No, I'm speaking of Granify originally. Oh, Granify. So okay. so, so eight years ago when I when right. I transitioned from um, Fortune 100 to to the startup world. Yes. It's, it's um it's not fun to not be able to get paid on time. It's not fun to already have to take a pay cut to get in. Uh, it's not fun to not be able to pay your rent. It's not fun to have a product that doesn't work. And when all that happens, there's a feeling of bailing inside of you that's easier. And that feeling 
of continuing becomes overbearing. Like you, you, you can't, for me, for me, for others, it might be different, right? So to push through that and to keep going without addressing, and, and, and we get, the takeaway is to push through any feelings. And, and this is how we as a society are taught, like keep pushing through, whether it's, um, you know, hustling or, or, or whatever, like keep pushing through and, and, and you will get those results at the end, but at what cost emotionally, mm-hmm. right? And, and frankly, the cost is always what it needs to be for your improvement. I want to, I want to put that there. You're never going to give up more than you need to and anything. So essentially I'm pushing through and inside I'm imploding. Anxiety is coming out. Uh, sleepless nights ensue. And like focusing on the job becomes secondary, right? And um, and and knowing my future becomes difficult. And and so the point I'm trying to make is, it's easy to go back and do something else, something where I wasn't in a position to to grow a company from seed to A. In in that case, we did. It's easier. Um, limiting to you need to go through discomfort to get there and there's variations of this every step going to something new because it's discomfortable to get it's it's uncomfortable and and the only there's two ways to get through it push through and and i imploded like and that came out anxiety and stuff And, and the other way is go back to the beginning through meditation you know mentally go back to the beginning and um and integrate and and so that when those things come up again, you don't have them. And and with me along the way, they kept coming up. So I, I, I ran a side business as a magazine at a magazine, like the same feelings came up and, and eventually I put it to bed and, and there was other reasons as well. And then other jobs along the way in the startup world without as much structure, the feelings came up a lot. And, and now with Rev Genius, uh, are they, are they coming up? You know what? I, I put in a lot of work. And they're not coming up in a limiting way anymore. Isn't that the, Isn't it, it a lot of a, a, a lot of work? Can I pause yeah, you for like, like comment a little bit? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're right about society and structuring like success around like an outcome or a result. But I'll even like triple down on that as it relates to our profession because it, it's it's that much more challenging emotionally because you know if you hit your quota for the month or for the quarter what do you got like a weekend to kind of celebrate it and then it starts all over again and so part of i guess unraveling the discomfort that that we feel inside of us is about creating a new thought pattern towards the way that we think about success and and specifically it's about like the process where there is a tremendous amount of joy to be found. But again, that, that requires rewiring of our brains. However, everyone's brain is a malleable organ. So we are all capable of change, every single one of us. And then I'm going to take it like, I know we've talked about the competency um, quadrant. So these are the four stages that people go through when they're learning a new skill. And the first stage is unconscious incompetence. This is ignorance is bliss and it is blissful. There's no discomfort in the first stage, obviously. But when you move into the second stage, it's conscious 
incompetence. And this is a hard place to be for a couple of reasons, because one, you're staring at in the mirror of truth. So for my lady friends out there that, you know, know (laughs) what a 10x magnifying mirror with a bright light looks like first thing in the morning, like that's a hard thing to stare into. You could see your wrinkles, you could see your pores, you could see, I I mean, everything. Uh, And most people cut and run in that stage. And then those that stay, like the second thing you have to overcome from a discomfort inside of us is the looking at the, again, the outcome of the skill uh, or how long it's going to take to get there. And when you break the, the skill or whatever you're working towards into pieces, it becomes a lot less, less scary. But for both of those reasons, right? That's why I think people tend to shy away from the discomfort that is a a new thing or a new skill. And, you know, Jared, we don't speak about emotions as a society, right? And my story's out there. I'm not, you know, I don't know. I'd rather hear what what you'd have to say here, but I did this wrong for 10 years, as you know, right? Just suppressing those emotions. And I thought I was doing it right. Like I misinterpreted some, you know, advice or book that I've read about how to control the swings of our profession. And- And, and that didn't work well for me after year 10. Right. So like my emotions absolutely revolted and, you know, the story's out there, but that said, like, I think that being able to talk about emotions is a, is a good place to start. Okay. What, what are you going to yeah, say? Quick. So, so when your emotions revolted, how do you view that case today? Like in your journey, how, how do you view that? And I'll leave that open. I'll leave that open-ended. Right. <laughs> I don't want to guide you with the answer. Yeah. Your answer. No, I mean, so I switched. So that I sought out professional help. Okay. Sure. So that was, Noble. but that was like three years ago. And there was a period where drugs are involved, right? Where they give you drugs. And I, about this time last year, I decided like, I didn't, this is not what I wanted. And I didn't, so I switched to cognitive behavior therapy, a different type of therapy, right? Not all therapy, everyone is like about, you know, Freud and digging into your relationship with your mother or father. And so that was huge for me because it started, I started to get very intentional about uh, getting present and great things have emerged from there. It kind of piggybacked when I found stoicism as well. And so I think how do you view it. What'd you say? How do you view it though? Like at the, the, the outbreak, like my, so, the journey so, or the current no, state? No, the triggering that, that, that just made you go over the top, so to speak. Or, oh, it, or, was, or, it was, yeah. yeah. So it was, um, <laughs> I moved to San Francisco. I had just come off of a, a really sexy acquisition for viewable and I, mm-hmm thought that I was going to escape some of the misogyny that was like New York city and um, big law. And I got out there and I, I just didn't read anything, I guess. And so I, I, it was way worse. Right. And then me too was about to hit as well as the Trump campaign. Like, and I'm remembering the, the, the Jeb Bush um, recording just as a specific. (laughs) And that was, that was like almost the, that was the final straw. And so at that point, now I had no ability to understand my emotions, to work through them, to like, 
I mean, nothing. And so literally I went 10 years, like not feeling anything. And so then all of a sudden you feel everything. And I think there was a, like a PTSD element to, um, that event for me that it was just, you started to think backwards and remember things that you just, especially in, in selling context too. And when I think about, it's been a, it's been a journey for me, you know what, Jared, honestly, like I wouldn't change a damn thing because I, I now know what humility is. I learned about humility. I learned about forgiveness. I learned about, um, patience. I learned how to, you know, disassociate how I like defined and interpreted myself away from what, how much I was earning and how well I was doing compared to everybody else my age. And all these amazing things happened. And, you know, for me now, like one of the reasons that I am so interested in, in the work that you do specifically and others that are helping sellers particularly is that I think that we can do a a far better job as, as an industry to your t-shirt to help one another find more joy along the way. And, and so that's kind of, you know, what I'm about these days. Does that answer your well, question? Well said. So, I mean, th- that gives me a lot more context. I'll tell you that much. How, how I looked at that uh, above the top imploding event that I had was that it was a positive. It was a messenger showing me the way to improvement. And, and frankly, that would keep coming as often as it needed to until I got the message. And I'm guessing just because I know myself and others that I've spoken to, whatever emotion put you over the top, wasn't the first time you felt that emotion and, and right. And it wasn't the second, it wasn't the third, it wasn't the fifth. It's been coming all around and, and it started before you won those wars. And maybe part of that was the reason why you, you worked so hard to get them. Maybe it could be. We know the answers to our own journey. And it's just a matter of, do we listen to the clues we're giving ourselves? And so that's, that's where I'm at. The problem, I think, or what makes this so hard to do, right, is that we don't talk about emotional society. We don't. I have a, at all. One of the strongest memories that I've got from like the, the, I went to a beautiful inpatient spot out in like the hills of, you know, Tennessee. And there was in one of the first, I like group sessions. Yeah. They, they handed me a sheet of paper and on the sheet of paper, it was like uh, at two sides and like words, right. Over a hundred words, names of emotions. Right. And they even grouped them into subjects like anger. And I, okay remember staring at the sheet I could not answer the question they went around and said well how are you feeling right now and I'm physically staring at this sheet and I was so disconnected and just no skills zero whatsoever about like understanding emotions or identifying them or labeling them that I couldn't even give an answer in that session and but it it was like a very understanding moment because apparently that's the norm (laughs) And so part of being able to get in touch with, with your emotions, which by the way, is a 
everybody's got them, right? Not just a female thing. Everybody's had traumas that lead to something that makes you feel a certain way right now. That that's even if Jared, making something today difficult because of something you feel. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a trauma. It's just we create like our beliefs. Well, trauma is just the word. Yeah. Form in in childhood most of the time and exactly. all the, the time. The good stuff and the bad stuff and. You know, in the same way that I think journaling is an excellent way to kind of get in touch with like the present state and the the things that you're experiencing and feeling and your body sensations, whatever. It's also a great way to reconnect with what those value judgments are and where they came from so that you can make adult decisions about whether or not they're serving you or those around you. Why, why do we have to make adult decisions? We just have to be real with ourselves, right? Like making adult decisions is like, today I'm not going to take it no, 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 without not- going all the way back to our childhood. Well, so the, so, so the truest part in us is our child self. Let's let our children out to play. Well, you're right. And like we're playing semantics. Let's let the children out to play. I, I don't I'm know. Saying, I'm just, hear me out for a second. Hear me out for a second. What I, what I was trying to convey when you're spot on, by the way, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, let's have fun, please. Can we create and do some art? Like, let's, let's, you know, paint a picture. Creativity is um, at our core. Why do we suppress it? It's funny. That's the, that's the story I, I use in the mental health. Medicine. But anyway, I, um, what I meant to say is that when, when we assign, when we create a, a, a value or have a belief system from childhood, generally, like you use the example of your mom yelling, right? An example, but yes. Right, right. And so, but if you then like go back to that experience as an adult, you realize that it's less, it's, there's nothing to be afraid of there. And it was just like your, your young person interpretation that then like cemented in your brain, how you like subconsciously react when you hear yelling. And so when, when you read think. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing against that okay, because okay. You're, you're taking a surface level. Like it is not surface level. This is the problem. It's not as a kid. As a kid, I cowered in certain situations. No, it's making yourself feel today like how you were when you were four, feeling it and empathizing with that four-year-old today. Not saying like, no, no, that's surface level. I want to make that clear. That's why people aren't getting through it. You have to go and sit. It's why I couldn't leave a relationship because I was afraid of my fear of getting lost. How do I know about my fear of getting lost? When my grandparents passed four days apart when I was four years old. Today, it's like, oh, you know, that happened, whatever. No, you have to, you're feeling it today as a 38-year-old, 35, 31, 26, as you were when you were four. Yeah. So you can't say like, no, you're you can't right. say, you can't say, oh, four-year-old, it's okay. Cause that's essentially what you're doing by saying, oh, it's okay to yourself. No, no. You have to say, oh, sh- shoot. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm feeling it. It's why as, um, as a 30 year old, I cried all night thinking of myself as a four-year-old because, and, and that's why today I'm not getting triggered by certain things because I empathized with myself as a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. it's we're, not just saying surface saying, level today and it's not yeah um, we're saying the same thing i want to be careful well so here's, here's what i mean so you're spot on and this is where i think the audience this is where journaling comes in and 
this this work that Jared and I are speaking about only happens in the present, right? And so like our like default brains tend to, you know, go backwards and, you know, beat ourselves up and like look forwards and worry over everything. And so like, there's a lot of reprogramming required to stay present. Once you're in the present, then you can like dig into Jared's point, like where did these things come from and be there with that person, that young four-year-old. But the next step is when you feel those feelings coming up in real time again, so you're still in the present, you're able to say, okay, I'm having a physical reaction right now because of this thing from when I was four, but let me remember that there's nothing to be afraid of. And so that's like almost step two. So thank you very much for, you know, putting that step one back in there because there's no skipping steps, everyone. And you're spot on. So I think we're saying the same thing. Difficult conversations with ourselves is. Oh, I know it's you, a great place to start. So if you could do that, and, and, and I kind of dig that this this one in this direction is your inaugural issue because their episode rather, because there, there's so many difficult conversations. But if you're secure with yourself and see things not as obstacles, but as the way the obstacles, the way <laughs> that's so cliche. Uh, I know the book title. I'm tattooing yeah. it on my arm in like a month and a half, just so you know. So that's happening. Is it? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it's true. Like, like, like what causes you to implode, what causes you to explode literally is what you should watch. Right. You should feel. Right. This thing in the present today will keep coming around right. until you realize it. And, right. and, and a typical person will say, Oh my God, my life, woe is me. My life stinks. Mm-hmm. And that's one way to look at it for sure. Um, that that would be correct. The way that's productive, the way that could get you past that and all of that is to say, wow, this happened for a reason. Let me think back why. And the reason why meditation is so big, and there's other things that are big too, but why meditation is like one of those things. And, and to your point, Amy, you mentioned, you mentioned emotion isn't looked favorably upon and it's not and couldn't agree more right uh there's three parts that make you right physical mental emotional physical you go you go into the gym people will support that all day mental you go and get more degrees more education hubspot inbound certification people will support that right emotional you need support you're going to go to a shrink a quack uh what like like the the ways to support that they have derogatory names for like, like you need that. It's like always like talking to the side and it's not supported. So like, you're not, you're going to fall in a certain way. So like, you know, unintentionally it's, you know, bad. So, so, okay. So and that's the good stuff. That's the deepest stuff that we're going for the stuff that's like looked down upon and it's ironic. And, and there's probably a deeper reason why that is too. People are afraid, but uh, with meditation, and, and Amy said, you have to think about things you said today. What can you do? The easiest, like getting into the emotion, that's, you, you can't just jump in. You can't just say, I'm coming in, here I am. And, 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 even, and even if you schedule time with somebody else to talk about it, you can't do that. But what you can do is you could breathe and you can do something physical. And 
it, physical activates mental because you think about the physical thing you're doing and then emotional acts. Like that's, that's like the chain of awareness. So today right here, you could breathe. And if you're breathing and you don't have to do it in meditation, but meditation, you're, you activate your mental because you're by yourself. Right. And then that could open up more in general. Yeah. But if you're pausing in between breaths, you're not really here. So how do you keep staying here? Just keep breathing. Don't pause. Keep breathing. Consistency is the way to be present. Consistency with showing yourself that you're here. I'm here listening. I'm here. And I know like when dogs are scared, they breathe harder. (laughs) They pant. When humans are scared, what do we do? We pause. Like literally that's, that's what happens. And, and it's weird. So like we should like, and, and, and if the breaths become harder, ask ourselves why. And, and, and we don't have to know. So in our conversations with ourselves, and, and this is a, a struggling point for many, you're not going to know the answer and you have to separate from that. It's important to ask the question, why am I scared now on this podcast with Amy? Like, why am I discomfortable? I don't need to know the answer. But asking the question, the answer will come back down the road. And it's going to be like, oh, when, when you were one, three, seven, whatever, early on, this, this, or this. And, 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 and it comes to you because you keep beating presence into you by, what, 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 I don't know what to do. Breathing. You, you, you could do that. Like no one has ever died from breathing too much. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like we, assuming that there's no noxious gases, right? Assuming that it's just regular air. Um, so you do that and then, and then your conscious, your presence, your whole being changes, starts believing you, yeah. th- it starts trusting you. From and, a, and then all of a sudden you're here. But anyway, sorry. So this is the beginning. You're injecting, you're injecting <laughs> oxygen into your body. And yeah. so there's that. And I, it's so funny you're talking about breathing because this one is, this is a thing for me. I, I still, still. <laughs> it was funny. I was running, a, uh, I had my performance coach, um, <laughs> Laura Westman, who's phenomenal. She had me keep a way of being observation log. And I, I love, I use observation logs all the time, but this was the first time I had done it. And I was supposed to cattle. I was supposed to, the exercise was to teach me how to be more aware of the task that I'm doing at that moment. And is it a part of like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Or is this like, you know, stupid shit that I'm like procrastinating on not doing. And one of the things that I realized, so it was, I, you were, I was supposed to write down my, the way my thoughts, what I was thinking in these moments, what I was feeling, and then the body sensation start. And it was incredible. The aha moment when I realized that when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, I, I stopped breathing. Like my muscles were clenching and were tense. And it was like, that's where the goodness is. That's where you find the answers. So I'm going to pivot us here for a second. So there are two, <laughs> I'm going to toss out two questions and you can choose which one you want to run with. You work with volunteers, right? And I think that a lot, yeah. Um, that's a very different thing than working with employees. And, yep. you know, I, I don't know as much about it as you, but I, I did um, start my career with political campaigns and have worked on a couple of those. So um, sure. there's a volunteer aspect to community organizing, which is what I was doing at the like gubernatorial level. And so I think that there's a lot of conversations. I guess you have to be more aware of how conversations are interpreted in a volunteer setting. 
because there, there are other psychological implications. And I think that that's, I, I'd be curious to know like what, where, like how that's kind of working out from your perspective as someone that's clearly figured some shit out, right? Gone from zero to almost 10,000 in six months. Come on. So that's the first one. And then the second one is, you know, there's a lot of conversations that we are not having in the business of sales at a macro level. And I'm curious about what, what some of those important conversations that generally get avoided for whatever reason, whether it's discomfort or even ego, especially at the leadership level, you know, there's a very low tolerance for questions to one's rightness and one's experience, which is probably long outdated now. Um, but anyway, so for whatever reason, you know, I'd be curious to know what your take is on some of those conversations that we should start having a little bit more frequently. I think I could answer both poignantly and quickly. <laughs> um, the, the second one, look at the conversation we're having, right? Like you can answer that question. We're not talking about race. We're not talking about sexism, like all that. And, and those would be right answers. Like we, we really need to do uh, better than that. But I think, I think at the core, like we need people to be true people, like, and, and, and not be hiding, right? Like, like, and, and, and be comfortable having those types of conversations. Those are uncomfortable conversations that need to happen. But what's the root? Why, like, why? Let's let's make people comfortable at the root, like how we're having this conversation. Because I truly believe if we have more conversations like this with people, than saying like, "Hey, why did you think about this person over that?" Per-? Like, it opens up and it makes things more comfortable. In, in, in my opinion, like get to the root of everything, if, if that makes sense. Because yes, there's so many conversations. There's so much inequality and inequity and in in. And that's why one of our, you know, from, from a, a sex and race point of view, sexism and racism point of view in the workplace, um, we're looking at our, um, at, our, at our values. And I'm like, well, D&I has to be on here. And I just wrote it down. And I'm like, this is not a line item. This is a lifestyle. <laughs> like, 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 duh. Like, it, it should be duh. So how, how do we convey that? So and, and like just writing like value three DEI, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Like it it feels like, of course you shouldn't be racist. No shit, you shouldn't do this. Like, but how could we how could we convey that in words? Um, you know, to, to go down and, and that all needs to happen. But but I think, you know, at the core, everybody grew up a certain way and it leads to certain things. And yes, society on top, like, and, and, and this is a bigger thing, Democrat, Republican, like, like it's a much bigger thing than just saying like, have, um, make, make sure you have, um, five white, five black, five, whatever people, those are important, but how can we have the conversations like we're having now to like really get out of people's roots, really empathize with people and like, and like get love throughout everything, right? Like, cause of course this stuff, the good stuff, the equality stuff will, will root from it. And, and if it doesn't, maybe they're not right fits in the workplace, but like you get the idea. And then from a volunteer standpoint, was, was that a good answer? Sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here the volunteer standpoint, but I'm gonna <laughs> come back to both of these. And then you're gonna get the final thought on for us before. Was, 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 that, was that interesting? Because like, I, I like, well, so yeah, there's, okay. there's so much, there's so much wrong. But okay, like, so let's, let's just call let's, it. Let's, we, we need to go deep and like, yeah, yeah. For, 
well, the majority of salespeople operate in toxic work environments and like, you, <laughs> okay, I agree. I agree. This point, from a leadership perspective, you have to be working hard to not look at the modern research and the metadata that suggests where productivity and performance come from. And I'll give you a hint, like yep. autonomy and creativity and psychological safety. Like these are key parts to it. And so diversity. Uh, McKinsey continuously puts out that the most diverse teams are the most successful ones in addition to... So I'm even pivoting away from the word diverse. It's like sameness. It's not just even like what we look like or, or what have you, but it's about having people that have diverse experiences and background yeah. coming wow. together so that there's a different... <laughs> we can bring new thoughts to the table. And so like if everybody went to the same schools and have similar networks and have similar upbringings, socioeconomic status like is very real and prevalent in tech, then there's a lot of sameness in thinking going on. And I think that we're at a pivotal point in the technology sector in particular because the algorithms that we're creating now are just, yeah, first of all, they're extensions of the humans that are doing them. But Jared, like we're creating artificial hearts that configure to male bodies. We are creating algorithms yep. that, you know, are perfect when, or facial recognition algorithms that are perfect at looking at and identifying white male faces, but the error rates for everybody else are uh, disturbing. Especially when you think about this technology being everywhere in the next five, six, seven years. My friend, Matt Gaston, like we talked about how there was a study and I haven't read this study, but it was something like in the United States, UK, Australia. So first world countries, you as a woman have a 25% greater chance of dying as a heart, from a heart attack Be, in, as a, I think it was a like poor class. So, you know, obviously middle-class and upper-class has more resources, but anyway, 25% more more likely to die from a heart attack because you don't have a Hollywood heart attack, which is the guy symptoms. And so this idea of sameness, I think to your point about having conversations, that's all well and good. And I'm delighted to have conversations and start a podcast about conversations. But when it comes yep. to like getting rid of the sameness, like it's time for action now, you know? So look at all the companies that, you know, fell over themselves to put out statements in the wake of George Floyd, which was horrific. Can we please stop killing black people, please? But there's been very little follow-up if you really dig into it. And so action is there. But so in sales, yeah, just, I think let's just say it. So the question is the type, the type of the conversations is where it started it. I, I agree. When in doubt, create the most diverse space possible. Thinking, right. Which requires a great deal of attention and technology because. Not when in doubt, always. Yeah, <laughs> always. Yeah. Okay. So now you were going to say about so vol volunteers. Yeah. So there, there, there's, let's break down volunteers into two types. One types that you have to ask for a favor and types that come to you. And I think that's a perfect start of this. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. We have both types <laughs> that, that we've had to ask for a favor, but uh, a vast majority come to us. So 
there's a different level of buy-in and desire from the beginning, right? Like if you're asking somebody for a favor, like, but, but you always have to understand what folks want period and ideally out of the situation. Do you ask you start, that or I know you're not assuming yeah. you're like me. We're we ask, we ask like, like we ask and, and sometimes we need to fine tune and get more explicit with the ask because sometimes the answers are flimsy, right? Like, and we have to get concrete answers and I'm guilty of just being like, Oh, because we want more visibility. Okay, cool. If that's what, I'm, I'm guilty of stopping there, but like, you have to ask like, okay, what does that do? Oh, I'm looking for a new job or, oh, I want to get business or whatever. And, and understanding that end goal, because when I, you understand I, that. I've, I've set you up a little bit and you could totally deflect and not answer. Sure. What is the most uncomfortable conversation that you've had to have so far? And like, so what with I'm volunteers to, or with, or no, with the, within the context of growing your community. And what I'm trying to like put out there, so <laughs> leading the witness is the idea that when we think about the conversation ahead of time, it's it feels a lot scarier sometimes than it really is. It does. But then when you have it, one, it, it wasn't that scary. And also like that's that's where the level up, level ups live when you are able to decide, um, in my opinion. And so I'm curious if you've had, well, one, what that conversation is for you and then how the reality played out differently than maybe you envisioned it in your brain beforehand. This answer just came to me. Um, So the most uncomfortable, and I want to say, company-wide, all hands on deck type of discomfort. Right. <laughs> okay. Like let, let, yeah. let's bring yeah. it to that yeah. level. And and that's how I look at it. Cause like that, that, that adds a bit of objectivity to like this, this discomfort, right? Like we're all in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frankly is, is a time where you have to remove a member from the community. Mm. Like you'd always have the con the conversations like, Oh, I was expecting this. I didn't get that, whatever that, that happens. Right. Like, and, and, and that's uncomfortable. And that, as you can imagine, like with volunteers and stuff like that could happen in the beginning of this, but like, especially the first time or the first couple of times when, when, when you have to remove somebody that's a relatively active person, but there's, especially when it's, you know, there's, you know, active people. Yeah. That, that are contributors and, and just like that's, that's uncomfortable, right? Like if, if, because you want to not have to remove anybody (laughs) from your community and, and, and you want to be empathetic to everybody Mm, always. And you, and you are, and, and, and there's a point where, where empathy, you get it, but like, it's also potentially damaging to the community, like how, how somebody's acting. And, and there's a level of guilt that you weren't able to, to solve the equation for this person and you had to remove them instead. I, I'm being intentionally vague, I guess, but like, um, 
that's difficult because by nature, and there's cold humans out there, don't get me wrong, but they've learned to be cold. Uh, by nature, at our core, we want to do good. Yeah, I truly believe that. And there's cool people that don't seem that way, but I, I truly believe they learn to not feel that way. Like at their core, even then, you want to do good. And, and when, when something like that happens, um, when you have to separate, yeah, it's it's tough. It's, it's tough. So oh. that that that's that's uncomfortable. Wow, wow, that was like way different than what I thought, which is even better. Wow, that's what. What you think? Um, you know, it's so uh, two things. I thought two things. <laughs> people that have never worked at like a, a seed round type startup really just have no context for the concept of like creating processes as you go from scratch. And there's less, I think, empathy for, you know, the process of doing so. And, and that by not having that experience or not, like you, you tend to get more frustrated. It's been my experience that when, when you don't have that experience, um, you're just frustrated by the absence of it. And you, you then start to behave in ways that are, you know, maybe not in line with your belief system or values, especially when you're volunteering and feel as though you've, you've, you've given up hours for, with, with no like payment, obviously. So I, you know, I, I would just challenge everyone that's in the community, um, any community, anywhere, um, especially new ones that they're, there's a process, a growing process, and just like chillax, everybody, just to chillax. Like it's not the end of the world. Nobody's dying. And um, take some deep breaths uh, and, you know, just recognize that everyone's, to your point, Jared, doing their best and that they'll get there. They'll get there. You know, it's, um, it's so funny when people come and they're like, oh, you do this and, the, and that and, and this. I'm like, no shit. Like, oh, are you going to do this or are you going to do that? Um, you know me a bit. W what do you think? Yes. I'm like, yeah. Um, I'm one person. Everybody else is like, part, like we have 10,000 people. <laughs> We're going to get to it all. Yeah. We're it's going to get to it all. So, yeah. And yeah, if you haven't had that experience, Jared, like those, there's, that's very difficult to internalize. Um, and I, so, yeah, okay. I'm going to add one point to it. Sure, I've sure. had two experiences. I've had that experience going through it my first time. And I've had that experience with others going through it their first time. Right. So like you might've had that experience going through, but you haven't had that experience with others that haven't. I've, I've had that. And, and what's funny is the one time I was with like one person, the COO co-founder of this company, I, I was running growth. Okay. And like, everyone's like plugging away, plugging away. And I knew that we didn't have any revenue coming in. So I'd look at him and I go, and, and like, everyone was having a grand old time. I'm like, when, when do you think this, when do you think shit's going to hit the fan? Yeah. Like when, when's it going to happen? Because the numbers aren't working. It's, it's, it's not if it's yeah. when, and yeah. what do you think is going to happen with these yeah. people? And he, yeah. and he just starts, and he just starts laughing because he'd been there too. He's like, and sure enough, people were lost people were left and i'm like we're in and and um oh with one of my advisors 2021 hit and everybody's like 2021 new year new you everything right yeah 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 and and and, and sure enough 
nothing new happened at all, <laughs> right? Like, like we have we have a new president um, and, and and all that, and that's massive. But like from a business world, like there's no major new launches. Okay, this person did a rebrand or whatever. Like nothing major. Maybe some new hires, etc. So I was talking to one of my advisors because it's still COVID time. We're all inside and still like very much doom and gloom still. Although now we know what we to expect. So people like are cooler with it. Like it's not as much of a shock to the system, but it's not, it's not euphoria out here. So I'm like, am I the only one that loves operating in this? Because no, you're not. I do. I, 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 I know how to win here. Yeah. I know how to win here. I, when everything's good and resources are plentiful, I'm scared of that. <laughs> I'm scared of how that looks because does that mean I have to go and take money to like compete? Does that mean, right? Like these are real thoughts. And and does that mean I have to scale and do like what the world wants to compete? By the world capitalists that have you chased after like unicorn status? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. But what I do know is I know I don't have to do that here. Woo! I can keep bootstrapping. All right. So in the spirit of like conversations, about uncomfortable conversations, final thought, Jared Robin, what do you got for us? Uncomfortable conversations and uncomfortableness in general is how you grow. Period. I and that's it. that. And, and that's that. And look outside of yourself to improve and to see other viewpoints, but also look within yourself to be real with yourself, understand how you can improve from an emotional level. And, and, and if you don't have a blueprint, Google it, reach out to others, absorb content, literature, and, and take action, take action, meditate, be, be by yourself and always give love in every situation. I think that's a, that's a wonderful final thought. You're going to have uncomfortable conversations. Do your best to be empathetic. Empathetic meaning put yourself in the other person's shoes as you listen <laughs> and like feel, try to feel how, how you would feel if you were them. Um, that's as close to the definition as I could, I could get. And, and that loved one's all. It, in uncomfortable conversations, it's better to be kind than to be right. <laughs> like how I did that oh, all, all, I, I, could, I could end on those it's better to be kind than to be right always I I have a whole spiel on like what right is to you at the beginning and so but I'm going to leave it right there oh my gosh Jared thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for taking this first step uh, actually you were part of the precursor steps to get this Good. Um, and I cannot wait to see what's in store for not only Rev Genius and, and you, but also like the community of human beings over the next, you know, even just quarter. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for creating the ethos. It's such a beautiful and masterful level and, and hell, man, you lifted the bar, I think for all of us, all of us. And so Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Just trying. I'm just trying. I'm not doing anything. No, you absolutely are. And so, audience, right? Peace, love, and joy. Thank you for Thank you. Uh, for listening, and you know, join us again Thank you for having me next time. All right, bye.
Right. Now I gotta stop. You wanna uh, hit the recording? Cool. Yeah. Hit the recording. Wait, I gotta, yeah, I'm doing it over there. <laughs> Man, that was heavy, but necessary, you know, important, important stuff being thrown around. Virtues that we as humans can build a sturdy foundation on. I heard words like trust. I heard words like action. I heard words like consistency. And uh, I think this is important, but I, I also live in the real world, right? Where I trust that the action Amy didn't take was to consistently feed the dog or file her legal disclaimer paperwork from all the unnecessary risks she takes on a weekly basis. Karen is gonna be pissed. Karen! All right, friends. The only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Anybody who's interested or brave enough or desperate enough, because let's be serious, that's where it's at. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Yeah, call, absolutely. Call in. Don't have enough to do? You want a couple of books to read? Maybe we can boss you around for a couple hours? Yeah, please, by all means, call. If you like what you're hearing or are excited for this shit show and where it's going to go, definitely follow us on whatever podcast device is your preference, even though I, I seriously have a hard time identifying with anything non-Spotify, but, you know, I guess I'll come to terms with that. If you find any value in things that we're talking about, do tell a friend. I consider that the highest honor. Of course, there's always the public review of any kind, although part of me thinks that I should not ask that until we're out of beta. Just a note for sponsors from Karen and Pete down in Legal. We are anxious to receive your call. And if you are looking to help or join the cause or create change in a positive way, Please reach out to anyone but me because I have enough to do. And Amy will definitely be interested in taking your money to help more people, which is what we do here. You know, stuff. Legal stuff. You know, it's pretty crazy. I still can't believe people listen to shit I say. Yeah, like there, there's certainly a kernel of truth somewhere in there, but you know, it's, it's just, it's wrapped up in a story. Order the dog food, Amy. Order it. Chewy.com. Possible sponsor. Lola, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Here, take some pets. Come come sit up on my lap. I don't know about you listeners, but I enjoy my podcast on Stitcher. I mean, I don't have a premium account because I'm holding out for sponsorship. Hey, Stitcher, looking at you. Also, I believe we mentioned Chewy, so there will be a link to them in the show notes, even though we are not sponsored by them, and I bought my dog food at Target this week because it was on sale and I saved on shipping. All right, friends. Thank you for listening to the conversation. For more ridiculousness, check out the extended cut of the outro. And that's a wrap. I can't. I can't. I can't. So... This is Pete, your disclaimer specialist, coming to you at the super secret disclaimer portion of the show because this is a pod about transparency and 
difficult conversations and with everyone being so open and honest um i must be so here goes um as the outroer to the outroee i'm sorry i apologize you know i i misled you intentionally as your attorney i must confess that i am not a fucking attorney um i have not passed the bar exam in the state in which i live i uh, have never represented anyone well in anything, let alone in a court of law. Um, but again, these are difficult conversations that we're, Amy's having with, with her guests, and, and I lied. And I should tell you that. I should be open and honest because, you know, we have been. So we can all be better. We can all do better together. And now I'm just rambling at this point. It's just, who cares? It's an outro, right? Like, this is just going to fade into blackness like the Mars rover, maybe a little bit less sad. That was fucking sad. Oh, let's not be that sad. Come on, guys. We can do better.